Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. We are here at Social Media Marketing World 2020. I'm here with Natalie Haley of Hot Content UK. Natalie had me on her podcast, Hot Content UK, recently, and I thought it would be great to bring her on my show in order to talk to her about what she does. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what Hot Content does? Okay, yeah, sure. So um, I work with um, businesses that are producing video or podcasts um, to basically help them get their content out there and see. So I don't really get involved in the creation process so much. It's um, helping people publish their videos to YouTube. We help them optimize their videos so they get found in YouTube search. Um, and then help them repurpose their YouTube videos to, to get the most out of them. So we turn the videos into a blog, or if it's a podcast, we turn the podcast into a blog. Um, and then help them to promote that content. So is it a lot of, uh, it's a lot of repurposing, is that generally? Yeah, the whole philosophy behind it is that uh, most of the clients that we work for, they, they tend to be traveling around a lot, they're really busy. Um, it's, it's all they can do really to put their heart and soul into creating a great piece of content. Um, the idea is that they can hand over that piece of content safe in the knowledge that somebody is going to be working really hard to help them get the most out of it so that they can just concentrate on creating the best piece of content possible. So, so you actually, your company does the repurposing? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, okay. it's it's kind of the implementation of everything that um, you know as a podcaster and YouTuber, everything that has to be done after you've recorded and edited that piece of content. It's it's huge. Unfortunately, the creation of the content, the initial piece of content, is probably not even 50% of what needs to be done to get that piece of content seen. So we do everything from the, the point of creation and, and that content being edited. We do everything after that point. So do you make any recommendations to your clients about what is the best original form of that content in order to produce to go as many places as possible? Or do they just do what they're natural with and then you figure out a way to make the most of it? Yeah, we always say that video is by far the best form of content to, to begin with because you can do... Exactly. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, you can do the most with, with video. Um, like with you, Philip, this you know, this video that we're shooting now, as you say, you'll put it out onto the podcast and then from there you can repurpose it in any other which way you like. Um, you know, you, you can write it up in written form, use graphics, um, however you like. So it's, it's by far the best piece of content to start with. That's not to say that there's not an awful lot of repurposing that you can do with podcasts and blogs too, but um, we, we mainly do work with um, businesses that use YouTube. Um, okay. And then podcasters are the next sort of you know, main bulk of the, of the client base, yeah. Of where you take, generally your customers are YouTube kind of focused, but yeah. then you take it to a then broader spectrum. It. Exactly that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, how did you get into this? Um, it started um, really with copywriting, really. Um, you were a copywriter. Yeah, so um, I didn't used to be. I used to be um, an estate agent or a realtor, as, as you call it in the US. Okay. Um, then I had my children and knew that I wanted something that a more flexible mm. way of living. Um, and I'd done an English literature degree um, whilst the, you know, whilst I was having the children while they were tiny. Um, and so kind of discovered 
you know, that businesses were using blogs an awful lot to market their business. So I thought that must be a great way to, to kind of use my writing skills to, um, you know, to, to start the business. So it started that way. Um, but then as it kind of developed, um, it was actually a client who approached me and asked if I would help them with um, with their content um, repurposing and promotion. When actually, you were in real estate? Uh, no, when this you're was when I just started okay. the, the, the blog writing and the copywriting. Um, and it was actually, um, well, mutual friends of ours, Andrew and Pete, that yeah, said, yeah. yeah, we need somebody who is, you know, can do the copywriting side of things, but is also hybrid in the sense that they can do the more, not techy, but um, the other sides of things, like on YouTube, physically uploading the YouTube video, researching and adding the tags and that kind of thing. Um, and we think you might be the, the person who could do that. So I was like, yeah, I'm always up for a challenge. So, so wait, this is the first time you've done it? So was this for is Andrew for and Andrew and Pete. Really? And they coached we're pretty famous me through, if yeah. you don't know them. <laughs> yeah. So that, as a first client, that's a, that's a coup, right? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, so they coached me through it and said that this is what we do. And they are so organized. Um, and that's how they've got to where they are today is because yeah. they, they just have everything step-by-step step, mapped out, um, you know, created videos for me saying this is how we do every every step. And I've been working on their videos for almost two years now. And I thought, well, if I can do that for people like Andrew and Pete, there must be loads of other YouTubers out there who need a similar level oh of gosh, support. Yes. Yep. So it kind of went from there, really. Um, and they do say, don't they, with finding a, um, you know, find a niche with your business. And I think sometimes you can put too much pressure on yourself to find that niche. Actually, it just happened for me and I think it does for a lot of people that you kind of not fall into it necessarily but it, it you know it manifests itself you know somewhere down the line and um, yeah I've sort of grown that grown that client base and I seem to have kind of a niche of, of clients who are they tend to be kind of speakers they tend to be doing a lot of traveling around the world so are these um, personal brand people very kind strong of personal brand yeah okay. yeah so they, they're generally producing a weekly video and as I said before, they just want to be able to focus on creating a, a wonderful video um, you take it everywhere else. and then, then to hand it over. So do you work on retainer? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, and how many, is it just you or do you have no, other so it's, partners? No, so it's myself, um, but then I have like a virtual team. So okay. um, we have um, another two copywriters, um, a girl that works on mainly the um, the optimization of the YouTube videos, researching the tags and that kind of thing, and then a graphic designer um, to you know help create great graphics, etc., to to get the videos promoted. So you're in the UK. Yeah. Is your team in the UK, or are they um, the all farther? over the world? Yeah. Um, most in the US, actually. Most of my um, clients seem to be in the US. Um, so in the US, and um, one in the Philippines as well. So we're all over. So the team that you have, the copywriters and video editors, there, yeah. there are some of your team members are in the U.S. and also the Philippines. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So it's funny that you talk about, you know, the, you know, the progression of your career from real estate into this, and this was only a couple of years ago, you said. Um, well, it will be nearly three years. Okay. Um, but I always think in the capacity that the business is now, it's two years really. But yeah, officially it's three years. Yeah. And you, and you, sorry about the noise you guys, there are people who are right next to us and we're in the, obviously a very loud conference center at the uh, Social Media Marketing World. So I apologize for any background noise you're hearing. You, you mentioned about how your career had taken this shift, right? 
And there are a lot of people in my audience who are creative professionals or are working in agencies or corporations and maybe thinking about some sort of a shift in their careers. They might not even be creative professionals or entrepreneurs yet either, but they're thinking about how they can make some sort of transition. And I talk about um, uh, careers uh, being webs more than they are ladders. Like a great career is more like a web than a ladder because there are unplanned side jobs that happen all the way or opportunities that present themselves to you that may not be planned but if you can keep your antenna up for them and then take advantage of them and move on them when you get that opportunity mm. um, they can be they can work out really well sometimes they won't sometimes it'll be a dead end and you can just you know make a choice to go in another direction but sometimes they lead to incredible opportunities exactly. and it sounds like that's what happened to you absolutely i do think it's important to to not get too distracted in the sense of shiny objects so um so yeah it's not a great idea to to want to do loads of different things at once when you're building a business it, it is a good idea to have a, a sort of a core you know an idea of what your core business should be and not get necessarily distracted by all sorts of different things but that said it's really important to be flexible and, and like you say Philip to kind of be open to other avenues because yeah. you just don't know well where you were they might looking be. at that time right because you just had kids and you were like I'm done with real estate I need something yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. right yeah definitely. so and then that it just kind of you were open to it. You had yeah. opened yourself to it and it, it kind of came into your life and then you decided to take advantage exactly, of it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You do have to be open-minded, definitely, right. yeah. So apart from, you know, you have also, in a very per short period of time, developed a very strong brand of your own, Hot Content UK, which I have to give you kudos that that name is awesome. <laughs> Well-branded name. I don't know if I could have named it better myself. Um, and you have uh, you've started your own podcast yeah. on which I was a guest oh and the one thing I want to say is Natalie's podcast is was like the tightest most focused podcast I think I've ever been on I think she gave she said I'll give you 15 minutes 15 minutes, 15 minutes. <laughs> and she goes I have some very specific questions I want you to get to the point and it was just like I felt like I was under a magnifying glass but it was probably one of the coolest interviews I ever did because <laughs> I gave so much value on I was talking about TubeBuddy. And I talked about this tool, TubeBuddy, I use for my YouTube channel. And that interview, I actually retweeted your promotion of that interview. And it was picked up by the CEO of TubeBuddy, yes. who retweeted it to a whole bunch of people. And now I have an interview with TubeBuddy Ooh. here at Social Media Marketing World because of Natalie's podcast. Oh, and that's, that's, that's how kind of yeah. it goes around. But you were, um, you have developed your own content stream to promote your own business. So talk about how the decisions you made, um, why and when you've done that. Okay, well it's quite funny really because the irony is that um, when my business started it was based around mainly copywriting um, and we were writing blogs for other companies. But when it came to writing blogs for me, for my business and my personal brand, I hated it and I couldn't stay consistent with my content and like we all know and we talk about all the time how important consistency is when yes. it comes to creating content and I just couldn't get consistent with it because I was dreading it every week oh I've got it you know and I would procrastinate that deadline comes around oh, so fast yeah. doesn't it and I just my heart I just couldn't put my heart and soul into it because I just didn't I just wasn't enjoying it so I thought I need to, to get some form of content out there and you know what, what am I going to be able to stay consistent with 
Now, I think if it had been now, I would have definitely gone down the YouTube route and I really do want to go down the YouTube route because I work with all these YouTubers and see the amazing stuff they're doing and I would love to have my own channel. But at that point, I decided that a podcast... We should talk. We should talk, yeah. <laughs> uh, I decided at that point that a podcast was the way to go. And actually, um, I have managed to stay consistent. I publish fortnightly rather than weekly so that I can put more into the repurposing and promotion of it than trying to keep up with doing a weekly podcast. Um, but because I enjoy the podcasting, I, I do an interview-based show um, because I love chatting to the guests that I get on and, and you know amazing guests like like you and so because I enjoy it I've been able to stay consistent with it and I think that's the key you know for, for anyone who's watching this video who's wanting to get into creating content or is already creating content but perhaps struggling to stay on the on the wagon with it I think it's thinking about what what content form is suited to your personality and what are you going to enjoy mm -hmm. because you have to enjoy it to do it on a weekly or fortnightly basis. Now it's funny, I started with the YouTube channel because I am, you know, I'm in design and design and visual is a visual medium and yeah. I knew that I was gonna want to show trend and graphics and things like that and things that had visual references to it. And so it made more sense for me, I felt, to go into video first. But then I found out that a large piece of my audience demographic who subscribes to my newsletter are older and they consume more podcasts and audio mm. than they do video. So I added on now a podcast to my repertoire of content and it makes sense that you would you know maybe start in a podcast that was more comfortable and applicable to what you were doing yeah. and then make the jump into video so I'm gonna push you I'm gonna push you to make a jump into video <laughs> um, so what has developing content you know because you know your business is fairly young three years old yeah. what is developing your own content done for your business oh I th there's no way I would have the clients that I have today had I not been producing that content. For a start, I'm encouraging people to produce great quality, consistent, regular content. If I wasn't doing that myself, how can I expect other people? True. <laughs> I have to practice what I preach, so that, that is number one for me. I have to be seen to be doing what I'm encouraging other people to do. Secondly, because um, my show is interview-based um, and, and for people who have, whether it's a podcast or whether they invite guest bloggers onto their, to their website or guests onto their podcast, um, you get to make great connections. Yes, you do. Really great connections. And actually, I've been really surprised at how willing people are to be featured in your content. Um, people that, that I would have thought, you know, a year ago, there's no way I could get her or him on, on my podcast. But people are so, so up for it. So it's, it's great for making connections and getting to know people and deepening relationships. Um, and yeah, people get to know you through your content, um, especially with a podcast um, and with video as well. With a podcast, you're literally, someone is, is listening to your voice in their ear for, you know, obviously my podcast is only short, but a lot of podcasts can be up to an hour long or some mm -hmm. even longer. So it's quite an intimate experience. Um, yes. So yeah, you do, people get to know you and, you know, as the old cliche goes, you know, people get to know, like, and trust you. Um, it, it's still as true as it ever was that people have to get a sense of who you are and that you're the kind of person that they want to work with. And there's mm -hmm. no better way to do that, I think, than through um, audio and, and video content. And it's also a great, it's a great vehicle for making an overture to start a relationship. We met at a conference in London, yeah. and I think you had seen my YouTube mm -hmm. stuff, and 
and um, Natalie approached me and just started a conversation and I learned more about what she was doing and she invited me on her podcast. I was then exposed to her whole audience. I've now brought her on my YouTube channel and podcast and are exposing Natalie and her, what she does, to my whole audience. And that is how you create this geometric progression of content, uh, of contacts um, and networking. Yeah, yeah. So many of my audience, some of you guys have, have you know, emailed me and messaged me and written in the comments that you don't know how to network or you have trouble or you may be introverted. Networking isn't very comfortable with you and you don't know where to start with it. Mm. Having a content vehicle, like a, you know, a blog where you can even invite a guest blogger or a YouTube channel or a podcast or some sort of content that you do is a great vehicle to make overtures just to meet people. Huge. And then once you meet them, to feature them on your show or in your content, you learn so much more about them and then that's, it's just this wonderful catalyst to deepening, deepening a relationship. The first time we talked on your podcast, I, you got to know me better, I got to know you better, and now we're talking again. We've met at the second conference, yeah. and that's how it begins, which I think is just completely amazing. In terms of what Hot Content uh, UK does and your repurposing efforts, are you content to kind of stay in that niche and, and be really focused on that one particular offering? Are you thinking about things as you grow or? Yeah, I mean, I have lots of lots of ideas. Um, you know, it would be great eventually to look at different streams of the business and, you know, coaching and, you know, online courses and that kind of thing. But I'm also conscious at this point that I don't want to do too much too quickly mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm just kind of I want to get everything perfectly streamlined and sort of hone what I'm doing now um, right. and become completely expert in it before I go down the route of teaching others how to do exactly, it exactly yeah. yeah and also especially like, when it comes to YouTube I feel like again I need to practice what I preach there because um, you know I'm, I'm doing it for people all the time and yeah, I think ultimately that, that's definitely on my radar is that I need to be doing that myself um, going down the YouTube route. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip. You can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. So when you chose your format for your podcast, yeah. um, you do an interview format. Yeah. Was it, well, like you said before. Tell me about that. That yeah. yeah. That you're thinking. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the, there was a definite thinking, and when you mentioned before that not everyone's comfortable with networking, getting themselves out there. Right. Um, I'm an introvert, and the thought of going on camera at that point, or even on a, a solo podcast episode and talking, just me, for. I don't care if it's just 15 minutes. Yeah. It was completely overwhelming. So when you get 
somebody else onto your podcast or your video show, the spotlight is straight away off you um, and it's onto the interviewee. Yeah. And that was really appealing to me at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's been it's been great for me. And the other, you know, from a purely selfish point of view, the other great thing about interview-based um, content is that yes you have to do the work in terms of you're coming up with interview questions you're arranging everything you know and doing everything after that point but it's the interviewee that's actually generally create you know providing the value yes and you know having to do but you're providing the value by finding that person and bringing them to your audience you know so there's a curation aspect curation definitely um but in terms of the, the planning for it and the putting a lot of time in you know people who do an hour-long podcast that's solo that's a lot of it's a lot of preparation yeah I, I I mean I do solo videos all the time but they are generally from five to eight minutes and you can edit them and yeah. be really planful about them mm. that was actually my biggest head to hesitation about starting a podcast too was the length of time that solo shows can can go on yeah and I, you know, even though I've started this podcast, I'm still a little intimidated by that, you know? I know that I'll, just like I got used to being on camera on YouTube and putting yourself out there for, you know, all the weird comments and stuff that you get, (laughs) all the weird attention, um, I know that it will come over time. And it's kind of like going into that, going into that realm of discomfort to -hmm. get past it. Just before we were, we turned on the camera or on the recorder, we were talking about, um personal mantras and one of my personal mantras is dare to suck which is before you when you try anything new you can't go out of the gate perfect uh, you have to suck at it for a little while before you learn before you grow before you get better and yeah. so when you were starting hot content or your podcast did you have that kind of like oh I'm um, you know that fear of sucking yeah <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't really want to listen to my really early episodes now yes <laughs> um, I'm sure I'd cringe but everyone says that you know People like Andrew and Pete, who we were talking about before, they're complete pros at it now, but they say the same. If they look back at the first videos they created, they, they just cringe, you know. Yes. But you all, everyone has to start somewhere, and you, you, the only way you're going to get better is, is by experience. You can take as many courses, online courses, as you want. You can use as many coaches as you want, get the, the best equipment from day one, but it's purely practice that's, that's going to get you where... Right. You know, where you want to be. I mean, here we're at the social media marketing world where we're getting a lot of information around, um, you know, what is trending, what's the new, what are the new platforms. We're hearing a lot about TikTok. We're hearing a lot about video. Obviously, video is still king. From your experience in repurposing other people's content or seeing your clients' content go out in the world, are you thinking in terms, do you think in terms of, of, you know, what's trending in terms of the best place to be placing content and where to be putting the most effort into clients' content to get the most exposure. How do you how do you gauge that? Do you look at their analytics? Yeah, so um, I have a girl on, on my team who, uh, the, the same um, the same person who deals with the optimizing of the YouTube videos, etc., who also dives into the analytics. And, you know, I still do feel, although I am biased because a lot of my business is based around clients who produce video, I do still feel that is where it's at when it comes to, you know, creating hard-hitting content that, that gets seen by the most people. I do think video is still king. Yeah. You mentioned um, TikTok. I mean, I haven't quite wrapped my head around that yet. I haven't either. I haven't even downloaded the app yet. My children are uh, seven and eight. 
nearly seven and eight, and um, they watch TikTok, you know, briefly when I let them. Um, and it, it is among the, the younger generations, it is a huge thing now. Yep. Um, whether it's where businesses need to be, I'm not convinced at this point. Um, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> It'll also be interesting to see how it susses out in terms of it's making itself available to advertising because for businesses, yeah. how to think, how for businesses to figure out how to use it to get their messages across. I think it's a, because it's so entertainment focused right now. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Much like Instagram was before Instagram kind of, kind of commercialized itself to yeah. an extent in their feeds and sponsored content. Um, it's still, I think, very much in its, you know, let's grab as many eyeballs as yeah. we can right now and let's addict people to it and then we'll figure out how to yeah, in, definitely. infiltrate the messaging. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're thinking about repurposing people's content, are you starting to have to think about TikTok? I've had I've had a client who has mentioned whether we should start look, looking at it, and we are sort of thinking about how we could do that. But I think something that we have to think very carefully about, um, and whether whether that's the right the right platform. So yeah, it's something that we're, we're exploring and we're thinking about. And I think it would be naive to think that, that it won't open itself up to, like you say, to, to commercialization and for businesses to use it. I think it would be naive to think that's not going to happen. Um, but I think I would encourage any of my clients first to look into it really, really carefully before we use it as a platform for repurposing at this point. When it comes to, you know, one of the things that I, um, that I share a lot about is the, the power of design to build brands and the power of, um, you know, consistent visual brand messaging. Yeah. Um, when you're taking a particular type of content for your clients, a YouTube video, and you're repurposing it across a range of other platforms, you know, Twitter and podcasts and, you know, LinkedIn and blogs and all that sort of stuff, Whenever you're repurposing content, you have to create a whole lot of additional visual assets. Yes, definitely. And so your clients probably have a brand identity look and feel that you have to follow. So yes. do you, um, how do you, how do you do, how do you work with your clients in that regard? Do they give you a style guide? Do they give you a whole lot of visual assets? Do they say these are our fonts, these are our colors, etc.? And then you just follow their style guide? Yeah, um, mostly that's what happens. Yeah, we, we already have a style guide in place. Um, there's the odd client, for example, we're working with a, a podcast client at the moment who's setting up a brand new podcast. So we've actually done everything from scratch, um, you know, created a, a, the, the style guide for them rather than them coming to us with that in place um, but those kind of clients are in the minority most people already have you know a, a brand identity already kind of in you know that's already in progress as it were in place um, but often we do like for example thinking about the design aspect YouTube thumbnails are a good example of where we work quite closely with clients on because um, I think the thumbnails on YouTube are often overlooked, um, but they are so, so important. Yes, they are. It's like one of the most valuable pieces of real estate, if you like, on, on that busy platform. Most people are viewing YouTube on their phone, and you think about how tiny... Um, You're even, singing my song. Yeah. I'm always singing this song. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Yeah, how tiny that little thumbnail is. So over the past couple of years the the graphic design part of our business has become more and more important as we've started working with more and more youtubers because we have to get that that element right for them and they have to understand how important that is so for example a lot of people using youtube 
will spend hours and hours on the YouTube video and the you know the promotion of it and repurposing, but perhaps just throw a thumbnail together in ten minutes. But that that's such a waste. So when you're repurposing your clients' content, they haven't done the YouTube thumbnail, so you're getting involved in even the original content creation, essentially. Yeah, we tend to um, create some templates for um, for the YouTube thumbnail, um, okay. or we we can either create a thumbnail which can be amended each week just with a different background image and different text, but more and more, because the YouTube thumbnails are becoming more and more important, we're using like a, a pro package to design a, a completely different thumbnail each week along brand themes and colors. Right. Um, and so they're all uniform and tied together, but, but different every week. Um, so yeah, it, it, I always say it's so important to put a lot of emphasis on the YouTube thumbnail. The design of it is so important. Because, you know, a lot of my audience are designers and they put a very high premium on aesthetics. Yeah. One of the things that is a, is a struggle for people who are in the design industry when it comes to YouTube thumbnails is YouTube thumbnails aren't necessarily the most beautifully designed no. things in the world. No. A lot of times the colors are very bright, garish, really, um, you know, kind of in your face kind yeah. of fonts and statements. Talk a little bit about that in terms of what's the balance between capturing eyeballs and, you know, really kind of the shock value of like trying to get someone to recognize a thumbnail as you flip through a feed mm. and something that's aligning with a brand's aesthetic. Yeah, I do think, um, like you say, that those two can be, yeah, it's weighing it up really. I mean, I it? struggle with it with yeah. my own. I really do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think I would be the same. I would be like, oh, oh I don't want anything too garish because my, my brand colors tend to be, you know, sort of quite subtle, muted, sort of Very like, tasteful. Like this kind of color. Yes. And then if somebody, you know, created something really bold and brash, it, it wouldn't sit well with me. But at the same time, I understand that you've got to do what's going to get noticed. So I think it's working with a, a designer or if you're a designer yourself, just spending that time um, just trying to get that balance between something which really pops and something which is still, you know, authentically you and your brand. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of experimentation involved and split testing as well, I think. So split testing, yeah, with, with two different thumbnail designs just to see what works and just be open to experimentation. Yeah. So I always ask my guests a very heavy question and I and the, that question is, do you have a personal manifesto or some sort of personal mantra that you try to live your life by? I've been thinking about this. <laughs> and um, I think for me, it would be to not let fear get in the way of what you want to achieve. So I think that applies to me in, in a personal and a business sense and applies to anybody in a personal business sense. But um, kind of ties into what you were saying about not being afraid to to suck at something. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of, for example, just coming to this conference, I'm not brilliant at flying. Um, I'm not brilliant at being away from home and, ki and my kids. Mm, yeah. It would have been so easy for me not to come to this conference. So easy. It's a long way. Yes, a long San way Diego from the UK. From UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I make myself do things because I know that ultimately, unless I push myself out of my comfort zone, I'm not going to achieve the things that I want to achieve. 
and that feeling of um, probably self-loathing that I would have if I didn't push myself to do things mm. would be far worse than the fear of doing them. Um, so I think you know you can apply that to your to your business. Things like you know you might want to reach out to somebody um, and ask them if you can help with them in some way in their business, or you can send a be, be afraid to send a sales email, or be friend be afraid to invite somebody on your video show or podcast. Um, but it's so important to push yourself through that because it's only by doing that and taking those risks that great things happen. So that would be my mantra. That is very, very sage advice. So Natalie Haley of Hot Content UK, where's the best place for people to contact you? So, um, or see what you do. Yeah, so if you visit the website, hotcontent.co.uk um, and click the podcast page, that's where all my episodes are. You can see the, uh, the episode with Philip. Um, so yeah, it's called the One Hot Thing Podcast and you can get that on iTunes and most other, other places. Um, other than that, I tend to hang out on Instagram mainly. Oh, now. yeah. Yeah, I like Instagram. So it's um, Natalie um, underscore hot content. That's awesome. Great. And I would highly recommend her podcast because it is like my YouTube channel being five to ten minutes, dense content to the point, then out. Natalie's <laughs> podcast is exactly the same way. So it was a Short really, really great, really <laughs> yeah. great podcast. So Natalie, thank you so much for joining us oh, and I really you. appreciate your coming on to talk. Thank you. Okay. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.